Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our church's podcast. This week's sermon is from our series Alpha and Omega. To learn more information about Sturkey Hills, you can find us at sturkey.church. Oh, and don't forget to hit subscribe to our podcast so that you can always stay up to date with our latest messages. We're so thankful for all that God has been doing in the life of our church and the part that you play in it. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day. Well, amen. Thank you, worship team. I want to invite you to open your Bibles or your device to Revelation chapter 7. That's where we're going to be today in God's Word. And uh, just to give you a little recap, uh, we have been introduced to the, the greatness of heaven and all that is there. You see, John the Revelator is found on the island of Patmos, and he gets transported, a picture of the church being raptured. He finds himself in heaven. He begins to describe the glory and the grandeur of heaven. He, 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 he describes the majesty of of God, and then and then the greatness of, of Jesus, and right there in front, uh, in the image of burning flames, is the Holy Spirit, and and the elders representing the souls that have been saved throughout time. I mean, it is just an amazing thing. But then everything changes, and uh, and God, after the church is gone, God begins allow, to allow mankind to inflict judgment, pain, and suffering upon its own. So it's mankind on mankind. And ultimately then, ultimately then in chapter 6, God steps up and says, that's child's play. I've got some judgment for you. And he begins to pour his righteous judgment out upon the earth. And let me just tell you, there's one thing uh, to be under the judgment of man. It's another thing to be under the judgment of of God. It's a much, much bigger thing because God is a much, much bigger God. And so at the end of chapter six, there's a question that's presented and it's a good question and it's presented before the worst has come. And so when the question is asked, I don't, it's not like they're aware that things are only going to get worse. And the question is this found at the end of chapter six, verse 17, it says, who is able to stand? So the question is presented in all this judgment that God is pouring out upon his creation, who is able to stand in that? Who can push through that and survive? And so beginning in chapter 7, we're going to see a couple of groups of people that are going to be able to stand and how they are going to be able to stand. And so the title of today's message is a work to do. A work to do. Look at your neighbor and say there's a work to do. Now tell that same neighbor, it may include you. Yeah, there's a work to do, and God has ordained it, and it might include you. And I hope today, as you hear God's word presented, I hope it calls you to a different place, because it's a brand new year. Amen? Everybody say happy new year. It's only going to be happy if you devote it to the God who gives you and has ordained you to have another year. I want you to understand before we begin, before we point to the greatness of what God speaks to us, that he has offered you a year, a brand new year, a fresh start of days for this year. And what you do with them is is up to you. And I want to encourage you to consider the idea, what if I moved beyond any place I've ever been in my journey with God? I move beyond anything I've ever surrendered or committed to him, and I just kind of forget about that, and I start with a clean slate, and I say, God, it's a new year. What do you want me to do this year? And whatever he says, whatever he says, simply do it. And then look at at what and see what God will do in this year. And so Revelation chapter 7 
it's something like this. It's a new thing. And God is calling somebody to a new work. Listen to what it says in Revelation chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. It says, after this, I saw four angels, and they were standing at the four corners of the earth. Pause. Let me just tell you, John the Revelator is not an imbecile. He does not believe that the world is flat and it's hanging on the back of an elephant. He doesn't believe it's a square. He, 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 he doesn't believe it's one-dimensional. He's speaking to the four points of the compass, the north, east, south, and west. So these angels are there. And he says, and they're holding back the four winds of the earth. Now, I'll just tell you, this is judgment. Now, often when you read God's word, we, we, there's words in there, phrases in there that we don't know exactly what they mean. If we continue reading with an open mind to the Holy Spirit, often he will tell us exactly what he means. So let's keep reading. He says, so no wind could blow on the earth, on the sea, or any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east who had the seal of the living God. And he shouted out with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given permission for what? To damage the earth and the sea. You see, these angels had a job to do. And it was to pour out wrath upon the earth, upon the land, upon the sea, upon the trees. And yet right in the middle of that, this angel ascends and says, time out. Time out. Right in the middle of the mess, God says, time out. Hold the judgment. Hold the wrath. I've got to do something else. We sang a song today that mercy triumphs over judgment. Right in the middle of this passage of judgment, God says, hold on. I'm going to extend myself one more time. I'm going to offer grace and mercy one more time. And I want you to know today, that's the God who we serve. No matter how, what your life looks like, God still loves you. God still is, has open hands to you saying, saying, Hey, I'm offering mercy. I'm offering grace one more time. And that's what he does right here. Now, who is able to stand in this? Let's begin in verse three. The first point on the back of your worship guide is this, the ones sealed with power, those sealed with power can stand. The first part of verse three says, do not damage the earth or the sea or the trees until we have put a seal on the foreheads. Okay. So the ones that are going to get to stand are the ones who are going to have a seal on their forehead. Now, you know, I, I don't think I'm a literalist when it comes to God's word. I believe he says what he means and means what he says. I believe he knows who he was writing to when he, when he, uh, the Holy spirit inspired these words. I think he knew that it needed to be fairly simple. So is he saying here, these people are going to have tattoos across the forehead emblazed upon them by the Holy Spirit? Are they going to be branded? As you continue to read in Revelation, you find out what the tattoo, excuse me, what the seal says. It says, God, the father and Jesus, the son, it marks them. That's who they are. They are ambassadors of God. And so it says, I've got to seal these on their head. Now let's, <clears throat> let's talk about the seal for a minute because the seal is, is something that when it's given, it distinguishes that person or that thing. It marks that person or that thing as possession. It gives protection and it offers preservation. That's what a seal does. That's what this seal is doing on these individuals. Now all through creation, 
God places his seal on things. It began in Genesis chapter 1. And it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And then it says, and the earth was formless and a void and without form, and darkness hovered over the abuso, over the abyss. But then it says, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach Elohim, began to hover over the earth. You see, God created this globe. It is his. God created the universe. It is his, okay? And he does with it what he wants. And when he created it, he said, that's my handiwork, Holy Spirit, Go brood or hover over it and seal it and mark it because it's his. Now, if you keep reading, not only do you see the father and the spirit, but you also see the son. The Bible says that it was dark. So God said, let there be light, right? But the moon and the sun and the stars, they're not created yet. And they're not created in that moment. They come later. And I believe with everything that's in me, that's Jesus, the son. Because after all, Jesus said what about himself? I am the light of the world. So even in the beginning, when God has something he's created and he wants to call it his own, he seals it and he marks it as being a possession of his. Today, as believers, as people who follow Jesus, when you are born again, when you are bought with the price of Jesus, when you get saved, when you follow Jesus, when you receive grace, whatever phrase or name you want to put on it, he marks you with his Holy Spirit. I want you to know that. He, just like in this picture, that right in the middle of a mess of a world, right in the middle of, of, of deserved judgment, God says, hold on. Pause, stop everything, because I got a little work of my own to do, and I'm going to reach into the middle of that mess, and I'm going to seal somebody for something different. Now, now listen to me. The beauty of this, although we're talking about things in the future, God still does that today. In fact, I am so amazed that 46 years ago, in the middle of this mess of a world, in this in the middle of this little mess of a 10-year-old life, in the middle of all of the mess that was going on in my mind, there is a God in heaven who created everything and said, time out. He said, hold on, mess. Hold on, trouble. Hold on, little 10-year-old boy who is wired just like I wired you, and nobody can seem to understand you. Time out in all of that. And he reached right down in there, and he invited me into his presence because mercy triumphs over judgment. And he says, I want to give you mercy. I want to give you grace. And that 10 year old boy who was me said, yeah, that feels good. In the middle of my mess, he's inviting me into the sweetness. And I stepped into that place and listened to me, church. He sealed me with his Holy Spirit. He, he ushered himself from heaven right down into my life and sealed me as his very own. And today, I'm still sealed. He sealed me. I could not do what only he could do. And when he sealed me, I cannot undo what he has done. He sealed me and he called me his own. Now, let me tell you what that is not. I, I remember not long after I was saved, I had a relative and she said, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm in elementary school. She says, Joel, have you ever spoken tongues? I said, I'm not, not sure what you're talking about. 
Have you ever spoke a foreign language filled with the Spirit? I said, no. She said, then you're not saved. I was like, huh? I mean, I don't know much, but I know this. I want to be saved. You know, I, I know this much. Even as a 10-year-old, I don't want to go to hell. I'm 56. Guess what? I still don't want to go to hell. Okay? And I ain't going. All right? But I remember thinking, what is that? You know, what is that? So I had to inquire. Listen to me. Speaking in tongues has nothing to do with your salvation. Being filled with the Spirit has nothing to do with speaking in tongues. Being filled with the Spirit is this. When God saves you, He seals you. And when He seals you, He fills you. Now, to what level you surrender to the Holy Spirit in your life, that's left up to you. So, so, so most of us, we don't surrender to the Holy Spirit. So we don't experience all that the Holy Spirit has for us. Does it include speaking in tongues? Probably not, just to be honest, okay? But what it does include is living a life, sealed and filled. Let me read a couple of scripture in case you're sitting there thinking, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, in Ephesians 4, verse 30, it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. He says, listen, in everything you say and in everything you do, in every place you go, in every, in every moment of your life, the Holy Spirit, man, he's, if you're born again, he's right there with you. And he says, don't live a life that grieves or disappoints or frustrates the Holy Spirit of God, because the Holy Spirit of God is God, and he is right with you all the time. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, and also he has sealed us and has given us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. So look at your neighbor and say, if you're saved, Look at your neighbor and say, then you're sealed. Look at your neighbor and say, and if you're sealed, you ought to act like it. Now, see, the preacher didn't tell you that old hard, mean news. That came from whoever's sitting beside you. And, men, it's probably your wife, and she's right. Amen? Okay? If he saves you, he seals you. If he seals you, he fills you. And if he fills you, your life ought to look like God has taken up a residence there. The second thing I want you to see is when he seals you, he seals you to make you, to uh, qualify, to um, give you the ability to live for him as a servant. We sang that song a minute ago, and, 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 and more often than not, and I certainly didn't know this week, I don't even know what they're going to sing. But the songs we sang today are perfect to, in alignment with this message. We sang, All Hail King Jesus. And the truth is, if you're saved... He is your king, whether you own that or not, whether you are a good subject of your king, whether you are a good subject, uh, a, a servant or subject of your king is up to you, but he is king of your life. And when we sing all hail King Jesus, what an amazing song, but it shouldn't be a six minute song on a Sunday morning. It should be a day-to-day, every breath we take, I'm singing with my life, all hell, King Jesus, I'm living for you. Now, servants of God, here's what he says in the second part of verse 3. He says, do not damage the earth or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Now, how can you be a servant of Jesus Christ today. I did student ministry for a long time. 
and God blessed it, and we saw a lot of young people saved, and a lot of young people baptized, and we saw big groups, and, and today, it's very difficult, okay? Kyle has a very difficult job. Austin at Second Campus has a difficult job. Youth pastors have a difficult job. I'm glad God moved me on, okay? Because it's a difficult job. I'm old, and it hurts doing student ministry, Okay? And they ask me sometimes, you know, what, you, you did it for a long time. You know, what, what could we do different to help it? You know, it's a different world. It changes. Why? Amen to that. Why? Because there's an enemy that hates our young people and young ladies and young men over here and young ladies and young men over here. I just want to tell you, man, I applaud you for trying to live for God because the enemy hates you. He hates your forever soul. He hates the fact that you are pursuing the God who created him and banished him from heaven. And he will do everything possible to destroy your vibrant relationship with God. But I just want to encourage you, you hang on because God is bigger than the enemy because the enemy is a created being and God is the creator. So I want you to know that God is bigger than that and you have been sealed And because you've been sealed, you can stand strong in this world that pushes back against you. What does it mean when you're sealed? It brings with it four things. I call these the four stakes of reality that are driven in the soil of our life. The four stakes of reality that are driven in the soil of our life. And these four things will help us stand. Because listen, I just spoke to the young people. Listen, adults, it matters to you. You have no excuses to not live a sold out serving Christian life. Look at your neighbor and say, no excuses. It's just the way it is. No excuses. Now you can make them, but from God's vantage point, he's going, uh-uh. what's your next one? Oh, that one heard it before. Now that's not good. Okay. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit seals you, this is what happens. He gives authenticity. It says, You are the real deal, and you are marked with a real seal. No one else can take your seal. No one else can seal you with the seal that only he can seal you with. All other forms of seal in your life, which we have, are fakes and counterfeits and imposters. What do they look like? Well, they might look like the mark of the beast we read in Revelation. That's a fake. It might look like a gang tattoo. That's a fake. That's an imposter. It might look like in your wallet, a card-carrying member to AAA. Okay? (laughs) That's a fake. Now, all of these will get you worldly advantages or benefits, but those are only fakes. You see, there's a seal that only God can give, and it's his Holy Spirit. When he comes into your life and he marks you, he marks you as his very own possession. It's authentic. It's unmistakable. And it's irreversible. Authenticity. The second thing that the Holy Spirit brings when he seals you is ownership. It's a mark of ownership. It it means the transaction is complete. Everything is paid in full. He owns you. Listen, tell your neighbor, if you're a believer, I can't say too much because you'll forget it. Say, if you're a believer, God owns you. And if you're lost, he still owns you. Now listen, if you're marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit, 
It's God's way of marking you under his ownership. I am so amazed, even to this day, after, after 46 years of being born again, I'm just amazed that in the middle of my little life, God from heaven would reach down and hush everything and, and part everything and, and, and pause everything and whisper into my soul and invite me to him, and I would receive that. And, 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 and just to know that when he looks at me now, even on my worst day, he says, yeah, man, he's messed up, isn't he? But look, he's got that mark on him. He's sealed. He's mine. God calls me his, and I call him mine. If you've not been saved, if you've not been sealed, you cannot God call God your God, and he does not call you his. In fact, the Bible says if, if we're outside of Christ, the devil is our father. And so he, he owns us. Now, now that's, that seems a little cold, like God owns me. I mean, come on. You know, I like to kind of own myself. I like to do my own thing. How are you owned? What, 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 where does that come from? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God, and you are not your own? You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. This is not talking about that you got to go to the gym every day. That's awesome if you do. we got people who own a gym. In fact, the girl that won on that big show, uh, the new show, they go to their gym. Right? I just think that's cool. Okay, my claim to fame is I know them, and this girl goes to their gym. That's as close as I get to fame. Okay, and, and, and it is important. We're supposed to take care of our body. Okay, but what he's talking about is let your body represent your life and let your life represent God because your body is a temple and you are taking God wherever you go. And so live your life for him. Thirdly, when the Holy Spirit seals you, he gives you authority. Authority is the power to overcome the enemy in obedience. The Holy Spirit brings power into your life to defeat every attack of the enemy. The power to live a righteous life, the power to persevere, the power to proclaim his name. Here's what the seal of the Holy Spirit does in terms of authority. Everything God has commanded you to do, he gives you the authority to accomplish. And everything God has mandated that you not do, he gives you the authority to avoid. Did you get that? Everything he wants you to do, you have authority to do. Everything he doesn't want you to do, you have authority to avoid. And so I don't know what happened in the Christian community where we replaced our spine with like jelly. And so no matter what the world says is good, here comes, you know, we look, we look like that thing blowing around, you know, when you're driving... <laughs> I don't know if he looks anything like I feel pretty ridiculous, and that thing looks ridiculous. You know what I'm talking about? Amen? You do. I never thought of it till just now. That's what the Christian community looks like. Hey, come join the church. We stand for nothing, but we love everything, and you live however you want to and still be a child of God. You know, and the whole time God's saying, what is that? What is, what is that? Stand that on the side of the street to draw attention, but that is not my church, okay? And that's what we look like. Listen, church, listen, young people, listen, adults. It, amen. It is, it is important that we understand, man, when we're sealed by God with his Holy Spirit, 
He empowers us. He gives us authority to stand for what is right and to stand against what is wrong. And when we look at the world and the world is crying out, this is good and this is acceptable and this is okay. And man, they're just mounting up all of the people on their side and you're standing here thinking, well, I thought God's word said otherwise. Trust me when I say, when God's word says otherwise, you have authority to say otherwise too. And they want to say, well, isn't that judgmental? Isn't that legalistic? Not if it comes from here. If your position is built on God's word, you have authority to live by it. And then lastly, it offers security. You're protected. These who are sealed in the New Testament, in the, in the, uh, in the new prophecy of Revelation, they're protected. They, they're not going to die. And I'm sealed. I'm not going to die. I'm going to die physically, but I'm not going to die spiritually. I have eternal life. And there is absolutely nothing the enemy can do about it. He can kill my body, but he cannot take my soul. In fact, in John 10, 28, it says, I give them, his children, those that are marked and sealed and saved, he says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and my Father are one. And so who can stand? Those who are, those who are sealed and those who are his servants. The third thing I want you to see of those who can stand are those who are selected for an assignment. Those who have been selected for an assignment. I'm going to read verse 4 of chapter 7, and then I'm going to pause. It says, Now I heard the number of these that have been sealed, the servants of God. They were marked with the seal, 144,000 sealed from all the tribes of people. Now, I could read you this list of Hebrew tribes, but I'm not going to. Because I want to address something. Who are these 144,000? Jehovah's Witnesses, if they've come to your door lately, they want to include themselves. Are they 144,000? Maybe if some of them are Jewish, God might call them, and the, and the, and the tribulation begins, and they are lost. So maybe he could call them out, Okay. You might hear that it's the Mormons, Latter-day Saints. Sometimes they say they're part of the 144. Are they? Only if they're Jewish. What about seven-day Adventists? Is that 144,000? Only if they're Jewish. And so he's talking about 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel, making 144,000. Listen to me. The church is gone when this chapter 7 happens. The church has been evacuated, the great harpazo, the rapture, the catching away. The church is absent from this globe, and it is in heaven. And God is not finished with the nation of Israel. Okay, we live in a world of anti-Semitism, right? You know, want to pick, on, pick on the Jews, the nation of Israel. Let me just tell you something, the position of, of the pastor and this church. We love the Jewish people. We love the nation of Israel. We will support them and anybody who does support them. The Bible says if you bless Israel, you'll be blessed. If you curse Israel, you'll be cursed. Although it's one of the smallest nations in history, just a small dot on the globe, it has been attacked since its inception, whether it's Babylon, whether it's Hitler, whether it's the Muslim nation, whoever it is, it's been, the, the enemy has tried to obliterate and eliminate that nation since its inception, and it will never happen because Israel is God's chosen people, because Israel 
was God's chosen people. And when God chooses a people, he makes a covenant with them. And although mankind may reject that covenant, push back against that covenant, God never goes back on his covenant. And we have not replaced Israel. The church is not the new Israel. The church is a new covenant people. And listen, the only reason the church exists is because of the old covenant people. You have to understand this book is a Jewish book. This book, 75% of it is about Jewish people. This book is written predominantly by Jewish men. The savior of the world who's introduced in this book is a Jewish man. This book is a Jewish book. And at the very end, when we get to Revelation, he's still not finished with the Jews. He's going to seal 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe to evangelize this world. Absent of the church, he will not be finished. He will still offer mercy and grace even in the time of judgment. Now, let me just, for some of you eggheads who read the Bible a lot and you, you wonder about some things when you see confusion and you say, well, you know, I was reading Revelation 7 and it lists those nations of Israel. It's not the same as it is in the Old Testament, you know, so maybe God, you know, messed that one up. No, you don't mess nothing up. You're messed up. Okay, let me just tell you. Now, what does that mean? Because if you read your Bible, maybe you've wondered, why is it when I read right here, it says these 12 tribes, and then I read here, and it says these 12 tribes, and it's a different order, and then I get over here, and it reads a different list. Well, John MacArthur addresses this for the few of you that might have ever done that, and he says sometimes the order of birth is followed, like in Genesis 29 and 35. Sometimes the order of Jacob's blessing is followed, as in Genesis 49. Sometimes the order of encampment is followed, such as Numbers chapter 2. Sometimes the order of the census before the invasion in Cana is followed, like in Numbers 26. Sometimes the order of blessing and cursing, as in Deuteronomy 27. Sometimes in the order of Moses' blessing, as in Deuteronomy 33. Sometimes in the order of princes in Numbers chapter 1. Sometimes in the order of inheritance, Joshua 13 and 22. Sometimes in the order by wives and concubines, 1 Chronicles 2 through 8. Uh, sometimes as gates in the city, as in Ezekiel 48. So the order changes a lot. And maybe you read it and you say, Dan, the tribe of Dan is not even in Revelation. But look here, they've added the Levites in there. And the Levites didn't even have a land in the Old Testament. Why is Dan not in there? And if you're one of those that just wonder about it, let me just warn you, don't get too hung up in God's choosing of nations and words and peoples. Don't get too hung up on that. And don't listen to some goofball wanting to tell you, see, God, there's contradiction in the word. God knows exactly where every particle of dust he's ever created is at this very moment. He knows where every Jew is. He knows where every Gentile is. He knows where their skeletal remains are. He knows where their active beating life is. He knows it all, and he knows what he's doing. And so don't get bogged down in why God uses certain names of certain tribes at certain times. He knows what he's doing. And so who are these 144,000? They're Jews, 12,000 men from each of the tribes that God has appointed, okay? What else do we know about these, these guys? If you read in chapter 14, you learn a little bit more about these 144,000. They're men. They're virgin men. Now, some would say, well, when it says virgin men, it means that they were not apostate, that they, weren't, they didn't follow uh, the, uh, spiritually, they were pure. I don't believe that. I believe they're 144,000 virgin men, okay? which would be very difficult to find, okay? 
Okay, so he finds 144,000 virgin men. And it says that they sing a song that nobody else can sing. Nobody else gets invited to the, to the choir. Imagine 144,000 man choir, okay? Imagine Neyland Stadium and a half, all men singing their guts out to God. Man, it would, it would blow your mind. Not only that, it says they are blameless and righteous, that they pursue holiness this is what these men look like that God chooses to seal, to call servants of his very own. That's what they look like, okay? And the greatest characteristic, I think, of these men is found in Revelation 14, 4. Listen, men, this is who we're supposed to be, men. It said, they follow the lamb wherever he goes. We live in a world that wants to feminize Jesus, that wants to play like Jesus is just another guy on the street, and he's not. He's God. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. And here's these 144,000 men living in the tribulation period when the judgment of God is poured out and when the, 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 the Satan himself is active and on the prowl trying to persecute and kill anybody who goes to Jesus. And what do they do? They stand strong. We're singing this song and we're following the lamb. Wherever Jesus goes, that's where I'm going. Whatever Jesus tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And listen to me, church. As Christians, as believers, as those that have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, that is your calling, just to follow Jesus. Wherever Jesus goes, you say, I'm going there. That's what it looks like when he pulls you out and he marks you for something greater. In Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah addresses who could, who could wipe out these people, who could wipe out Israel. And Jeremiah says, when somebody makes the sun stop shining, when someone tells the moon to stop reflecting, when someone can tell me the distance between point A and point B from earth to the sun and know exactly its motion, then you can take care of Israel. You know what he's saying? When you replace God, you'll take Israel out of the equation. And that will never, ever happen. And so... How do, we, how do we respond? Are we talking about 144,000 Jews sometime in the future? Are we, is that what we're talking about here? We are, but I want you to see something today. God is still in the same business today as he will be in the future. Here's what God does. He looks at the mess of the world at every moment in every day, and he says, man, the enemy has made some progress, but we're not finished we're not finished. I'm going to pause the action, and I'm going to reach into the, into the middle of that mess, and I'm going to call some out, and I'm going to seal them with my Holy Spirit. And I'm going to invite them to serve the greatness of who I am. And, and when they do, I'm going to give them a particular assignment, and I'm going to empower them to accomplish all that I have. And I sit there, and I read that, and I think, that's what he does with you. And that's what he does with me. And that's what he wants to do with our church. And listen to me, church. I believe with everything that's in me that God is wanting to do something great and magnificent in the life of his church located here at the church at Sturkey Hills in 2019. I believe he wants to start today. Today, I believe he wants to do a greater thing. 
Today, I, want, I believe he wants to do a greater thing in your life, in your pastor's life, and in the life of our church. Less than five years ago, we had about 100 people in here, and God is sending us people, and he sent many and most of you. He is not finished, but I want to tell you something. If we think that we can just let somebody else do what God has called us to do, he will not use us like he wants to use us. And so I don't know what that looks like for you, but I want you to know why God calls people out and why he seals them and why he says, I want you to be my servant and why he says, I got an assignment for you. It's because he loves the lost and he looks at this globe and he says, man, it's wonderful to see that group of people meeting and worshiping me and studying my word. That's great. But I want to remind you, if you're saved today, you're only saved because somebody shared the gospel with you. You're indebted to Christ because he did the work, but you're indebted to somebody who told you about the work of Christ. And because of that, it should move you to say, you know what? Had someone not told me, had someone not invited me to church, I wouldn't be here today. And there's a whole world out there that have not heard or received the gospel. And your heart and my heart should break over that reality. And he's called you and sealed you. And if you'll serve him, he'll give you this, this assignment that's just for you. In Revelation chapter 7, here's what it looks like. I call the final point the salvations of promise. You see, 4,000 years ago, 2,000 years before Christ came, God established a covenant with Abram. He took this little old man and he said, Abram, I know you don't have any children. I know you're old, but you have a bright future, man. In fact, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because of you. And, and in part, that means Jesus, the seed of Abraham, would come. And, and because of him, we, could be, we would be offered salvation. But he, that's not all it means. Even in the end of everything, the descendants of Abram, the 12 tribes of Israel, will be used sh to share the gospel. And listen to the result of these 144. I was thinking about this the other day. When I was a kid, Billy Graham would do these crusades. And Billy Graham did a crusade in Neyland Stadium. Anybody go to that? Yeah. Yeah, I went to that. And, and I was already saved, but I remember going to that. And he would present the gospel and give an invitation. And man, hundreds, if not thousands, go walking down there. And I'm like, man, that is cool, you know? Now imagine 144,000 Billy Graham, Jewish Billy Grahams. Oh, by the way, if you've never met a born-again Jew, you need to find one. Because they'll bless your socks off. Because what they believed would be true as, as them being the chosen people, and then all of a sudden they realize Jesus is, is in fact the Messiah, man, they are on fire. You take 144,000 of those, and here's what happens. Verse 9, after these things, I looked, and here was an enormous crowd that no one could count. And they made up of persons from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, dressed in long white robes and with palm branches in their hands. They were shouting in a loud voice, salvation belongs to God who is seated 
on the throne and to the lamb. See, the end game, the end result when God seals us is that he uses us. He deploys us in his kingdom agenda to rescue people captured in darkness. And he wants to use you. Tell your neighbor, I think he's talking about you. Now listen, you may not have wanted to hear that. You you may have thought, well, I'm going to start New Year's 2019 off. I'm going to church on Sunday morning. I'll go in there and I'll listen to them sing. I'll listen to the preacher preach. And I'll leave and everything will be okay, unchanged. Oh, yeah? That's not God's will for your life. God's will for your life is no matter where you are in your journey called life, with or without God in it, he is inviting you to a new thing. He is inviting you to a new experience of the greatness of who he is so he can use you to share that reality with a world that's lost and dying. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes as the worship team comes forward. And God, I pray right now for all of us that we would consider what you do and the fact that you're not finished yet and the fact that there are still those who are lost, undone, and are in need of a Savior. And God, I pray that we would be the people that are willing to take that the gospel of Jesus to the world. God, I'm praying right now, you don't have to use somebody else. Use us. Not just the preacher, not just the leadership, but every person who's within listening ears of this message, God, that you would speak to their heart, God, and invite them to the work that you have for them. And maybe you're here today and you don't know God You're far from God. You've never received Christ, which is the only way you can know God. And you know that because the Holy Spirit has spoken that into your heart in this very moment. I want to tell you how you respond to that. You simply agree. You repent, which means to change your mind of what you believed before. You simply say, God, you got me. You got my attention. And I agree with you. I am a sinner. And God, I need to be saved on this day. I want to be born again. And God, I don't understand all of it, but I want you to seal me. I want you to send your spirit from heaven just to smather me in the seal of possession and ownership. I want to be yours, God. So I give myself to the sacrifice of Jesus on a cross. I receive grace and forgiveness freely from you because that's how you offer it. And God, now that I'm saved, I've received your gift, I want to serve you for the rest of my eternal existence. And so now, God, select me, choose me, give me the assignment that you would have for me that I could be a part of a greater thing for the rest of us and for all of the church I just ask you this question what is it that God is calling you to do and I was I don't know 
what it is that God has for your assignment. I simply don't know. I don't know what he wants you to do. Maybe God is calling you to baby steps, just a new level of faithfulness, that you will be faithful to his church, the bride of Jesus, more in 2019 than ever before. Maybe that God would challenge you in the area of resources and finances, that you would surrender your finances to the Lord, that you would just give to him and let him have what you have because it's already his. Maybe this is the year that you begin to serve in the local church, that you go help the preschool or the children, which is where we should all be serving at some time. Maybe God's call for you is that you are inviting everybody you know to this place called the church where they could encounter the God who changed you and they could that God could change them. Maybe God's call for you is, is that for the very first time you will just surrender and say, God, use me. I don't know what God has called you to do. But I do know what God has not called you to do. He has not called you to be sealed and to be a servant from a distance. To be a servant who sits with arms crossed, who sits in the bleachers, watching a smaller portion of those who are sealed. To watch them fight the kingdom of darkness on your behalf. He has not called you to that. He's called you to be engaged in battle. A battle that is real. A battle that is greater than flesh and blood. A battle that is in the in the the the, 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 the spiritual realm. He wants you to fight that fight. And I'm I'm challenging you, church. I'm challenging myself. Let's give ourselves to God fresh. Let's live for Him like never before. And let's let 2019 be the greatest year for you, for your family, and for this church and see what God will do. And then lastly, I want to invite you to do something very specific and very particular and very personal. I am asking that everyone in here pray for your pastor and for your staff and for their families because I want you to know the devil hates your pastoral staff and their families and he has unleashed warfare on their families and I want you to lift your leadership up to God every day if you have to write it down on your mirror in your bathroom, I'm asking you to pray for your leadership. God, we thank you that you still extend mercy and grace. You're still about calling us out to a new place. Move in our lives. Use us in a mighty way in Jesus' name. Amen.